Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly Four times a week for you Yes, yes, y'all. This is the first Nick Flanagan Weekly of the week, Lee. Hi, I'm Nick, your host, your friend, your mentor, your student, your liquid gas and solid voice that you hear and face that you see in your dreams. My name is Nick. I mentioned that earlier. I'm really reiterating it. I don't know why I really push my name as an important part of this podcast. Many of you, many of you don't care about my name. You just want to know my heart, my soul. And I'm pouring it out today in the episode with AL Senior. We've got AL Senior, aka Medusa Editions, on Instagram. And uh, he's the guest. He's been a guest many times. He is doing a show with me this Sunday. I'll be part of his every, I think it's the first Sunday, no, the second Sunday of every month, I've been a part of his residency at the Transac, and that continues this month. I'm, it'll continue as long as I'm in Toronto, which is freezing right now. Good God. My mother's in Mexico dancing the salsa, and I'm here just having a nice time. I rearranged my room. It's great. Cat's sleeping on the bed. He likes the... Please enjoy the AL episode. It is about to come on. AL and I talk about a lot of different things. Uh, Start things off talking a little bit about the Fuck Jerry situation. Uh, If you didn't know, there is a hard push to make the Instagram account Fuck Jerry, who was also involved in the Fire Festival fiasco, taking them to task for using other people's memes without crediting them, without people's jokes on Twitter, taking the pick and not crediting them. And even if they do credit them, making tons of money just for crediting someone, which very often will result in nothing happening for the person who wrote the joke. Comedian friend of mine, Matt O'Brien, had that happen to him. AL has a controversial take. He doesn't think it's that important. I have a feeling that some younger people have a similar take to that. Just an idea. Um, But I think it's a complicated thing when we're talking about things that we're not making money on, making money for other people. Maybe it's not that complicated. We should be making money, but (sighs) what is anything worth these days? That's just my low self-esteem talking. It talks like this. (sighs) But you know what has high self-esteem? My Patreon account, because it's a very strong Patreon account. And I've just loaded up a, uh, for patrons only, uh, stand-up clip, video clip of a bit I've been working on. And uh, it's from a show I did with the hilarious Deanne Smith at Comedy Bar. So you can become a member and access that and access a bunch more video in the future. So, um, yeah, enjoy. And I finally got all my cool shirts. I'll tell you about those later. Here's Al talking to me. Al showed up. I've got the house to myself. We've been relaxing. We listened to some '90s rap. Listen to some new metal. That's N-U metal. Limp Biscuit, Corn. You know all that stuff. Kuba Stank. I've been um, playing a lot of uh, karaoke PlayStation Two games. 
That's a pretty cool move. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, you should do some karaoke after. Would you? Would you do karaoke, karaoke to... Karaoke scares me. What about to Rough Riders Anthem? I have access. Convince me that karaoke is a cool move to make. You can watch me do it and then make a choice. So, hey, Al, what's going on? <laughs> You know, How you, know you doing, buddy? Is, you know. What's new? I'm doing good. Just you know, we got a we got another one of our monthly residencies at the Transact Southern Cross Room uh, next Sunday. Yes, the 10th of February. And uh, really enjoying those. And, those are uh, the best, aren't they? You know, I'm into it. You know, it's my home away from home, and I love um, playing with my friends and curating. And um, it's really a political act. I think and, that it's a very <laughs> I think it's adding to the texture of the city in, in the richest ways. And it's amazing to me how few people appreciate that. Not to sound... And I'm not saying that there aren't people who appreciate it. There are. But it's like... What I'm saying is there's so many people who don't realize the benefit they're getting from this. And they're <laughs> they're not there, but they're benefiting uh, somehow. Well, I think Can you turn that down just a slight? Which one? The oh, volume this, oh, on this guy right here? No, 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 no. The volume on this, this oh, yeah. jazz. Am I... You're good. Oh. oh, okay. You want to turn down Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Charlie and Busy. Check, check. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, you... You know, what can, what can you say? You really do it for the joy of doing it. And then you hope that the freaks come out. You know, you do anything long enough, the freaks will come out. Yeah, and, they'll be um, here. I think we should just keep doing them. I agree. You know, uh, you know props to Sarah Green and everybody at the Transact for uh, facilitating. I mean, I think I've done it for now just, you know, maybe a little bit over 2 years kind of in a way. Almost every every month? 2 years? Yeah, and there was a point about like a little over a year and a half ago that I was doing it twice a month. That's amazing. But, I actually do remember that. I was out of town and but I'd see you doing that and I was like and, this is so cool. And it was cool. interesting because at that point it was it was Doc and I for a while and then he Matt Doc Dunn, your 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 partner in crime in, yeah, in yeah, Sacred Lamp. Shout out Lightborn and Doc Dunn and um, but you know he had to um, take some time to make to you know work on some stuff and um, yeah it was weird. At that point I found myself like kind of like working up to be able to play like alone solo 12 string for you know, for over an hour, which is crazy. And yeah, I, you do really, really varying lengths. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, um, not at all. Um, so, yeah, it's cool, you know. And now just kind of really getting into the groove of really just hanging out with friends and curating and, and sharing the stage, I think, is really, like, the most fun for me. I, I think that's awesome. And I've, I felt bad the last show. I felt like I wasn't prepared enough. <laughs> I had fun, but I felt it like It wasn't was... you, man. It was the audience. The audience was weird that night. Are you just saying that? You're just saying that. Yeah, I get it. No, no, no. I mean, look. You, um... <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. Fire away. Love is a battlefield. You know, I think it's all about, you know, making conscious decisions. Either you're going to prep and be, you know, be in it. Or, you know, there's also the... You or know, you're going to roll. Or roll or, and taking a healthy step back. And frankly, I roll cool, a lot so. at your show and I have a great time uh, doing so a lot of the time. And I prep a lot of the time at the show. And I think that's the magic spot to be in is you get ready and then you diverge. The show seems to encourage divergences for whatever reason. I, I like doing that happening. 
Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm sure I love I, what you play. It's so oh, amazing. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I love what you do, obviously, and you know, even it's, if a, it's a mutual admiration society. Even even when you think that you're bombing, or you you think like you're not connecting with an audience, I think it's important to just take take yourself out of that critical mindset. Try to be in the moment and um, to kind of go easy on yourself. You always have and to do that. You you can't you can't be too hard on yourself in those situations, or else you'll have a heart attack. The weird thing is, you almost need to say affirmations out loud in those moments. Like you gotta go. People always do the opposite, where they'll go like the Bernie Mac route, but like a white guy version, where they're like, "You're all fucking stupid" or something. But I think not that he said that, but he said, "I ain't scared of you, mfers." Very famously. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I'm. I gotta admit, I'm. I'm not very good with the between song banter. And that's not what you're about. And that's. <laughs> but you introduce me every show. Yeah, that I think I'm trying to build up a, a repertoire for being able to introduce you in a more eloquent. You know who way. wasn't good at the between thong banter? Cisco. <laughs> he didn't really have anything besides the thong. Oh, did we? Yeah. Did we have him on the bill one time? <laughs> yeah, Cisco where, acoustic. Where, I'm not. That's a good. That brings up a good point. Where was Cisco in this whole fire festival fiasco? <laughs> was he? Was he on the bill? Yeah. You you almost feel like he was. He's curiously absent. From... I mean, it feels like the entire fire festival was modeled on the thong song video I mean, <laughs> and like Cisco's entire look. So yeah, I am surprised that was he didn't amazing. get royalties. You know what's happening right now, and I'd actually. <laughs> love to know your opinion on it because you do something kind of similar and uh you um do you know about the fuck jerry account yeah do you know I what's mean, going on with fuck jerry well right now? there's this whole movement now to unsubscribe from it and it's and... from comedians it's, it's oh is it is it because they're they feel i think justifiably kind of um like they're being ripped off by someone who's profiting off of what they're doing. You know, who cares? You know, <laughs> let let fuck Jerry. They they should do their thing. And you know, but didn't they 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 like were part of the fire festival? That's why I ask. And that's okay. I mean, they got paid to to do something that they were hired to do, and um, you know what they what they do with other people's work. You know, not not giving credit or, or take stealing people's stuff. I mean, and even just crediting, but it just being like comparatively meaningless to profiting, you know? And, you know, talk about meaningless. I mean that it's so meaningless, like memingless, memingless. Yeah. Who really cares? I mean, let them exist. Is it, does it affect my world one way or the other? I mean, they're going to exist, you know, something like it is going to exist. You know what? Yeah. You know, well, I know like, like it, there's uh, the guy from Wolf Eyes has a very famous <laughs> meme account called Insane Shout Johnny. Out John Olson, Insane Johnny. Yeah, I, I, I'm, they're coming here. I should try to get him on the podcast. They're, they're, they're Are playing, you friends with him? They're playing in a couple of weeks. Are you buddies with him? You know, we've uh, bumped into each other. You I've know, met him too. We're aware of each other. John Olson is the best. You know, I've met him. Wolf Eyes, Wolf Eyes was. Uh, um, they opened for. Uh, Negative Approach in Detroit when I saw this a long time ago. Uh, like the first reunion of the band Negative Approach. Seminal hardcore band. I'm really upset because I missed Aaron Dillaway who played Friday Night. Is he, you know, he was from... In the, he was in that whole... What? He's in that whole crew and he also runs a label and a record store called Hanson Records. Yeah. And um, he's... I'm, I'm really kind of bummed out I missed that. But hey, Friday Night, what are you going to do? 
Um, I saw my friend eyes. Jonathan Gat play on Friday. Oh, how was that? Really fun. Really fun. You know, he had What's these native story? singers What's with him. Well, he was in he he was in Monotonics, who of course were this Israeli band. Um, so now Monotonics is no longer. So what does he do? Monotonics is no longer. Jonathan is the only one that moved from Israel to to live in Chicago. America. No, he lives in New York, and he lives in Brooklyn. And um, he just had a kid, and he... Uh, oh, did you roll with him at that show? Yeah, yeah, I'm friends with him. Oh, cool. Because um, we went on this tour together uh, in this vegetable air power bus, uh, Monotonics and me, Hannibal Burris, uh Josh Fadum, Wolf... Uh, not Wolf Eyes, Matt and Kim. Wolf Mother. Uh, Death Set, all of these freaking late, late aughts, you know, kind of... Uh, the aughts, the... Late 2000s, <laughs> I don't know, what do we call decades anymore? And then, like, in 2030, we call it the 30s? Isn't that going to be weird? 2020, it'll start the 20s. It's yeah, crazy. It's, it's really great. But, um, <laughs> Jonathan performed, me had these native singers. It was really neat. And then somebody asked him, because he's Israeli, someone goes, at the beginning, they're like, he told me this, they say, like, I really like that you're working with indigenous people, but... What about the Palestinians? So what did he say? How does he respond? Well, to he those? told me it was. How just... does he respond to those allegations? Nick? Yeah, he just said to me, "I didn't know what to say." And he's like, "Here's a guy who, as far as I know, he didn't serve in the military in Israel. Oh, yeah. He like Word left up. there. Like he does. I don't think he's very supportive of where it's at right now. And uh, and uh, he's <laughs> fucking playing a show on on the Sabbath. So did somebody <laughs> did somebody shout that out to him? Like somebody shout out Shabbos? <laughs> no, it was a weird crowd. But uh, I it just was a thought weird that crowd. Was, yeah, kind of. Was it know. was it a full full uh, full crowd? Not not one hundred percent, but it was it was good. It was decent. But it was banging. It was banged. But anyway, uh, I don't remember what we were talking. Oh, we were talking about wolf eyes. Yeah. Anyway, that guy does a meme uh, a, a meme account, and he tries to credit people. I think, and I I get the feeling that guy isn't making. I don't really feel a that mint they, doing that particular there, account. There isn't a need to credit anybody. You know. Um, that's my philosophy. I'm the bit, I'm a savage reposter, like yeah. a savage ripper and reposter. But, but my whole thing is the way that you put things in context. I don't really put too, I think what differentiates my stuff is I don't put too much text on things. I like to like let the image speak for itself. I think that's way more powerful than writing a bunch of stuff on it. And I like to, I like to mix it up and, um, I make think, it a bit more ambiguous. I think that there's something about social media. expression it falls into more of a collective pool than people want to admit and you know comedians uh you know get uh really uptight about n because not being paid for their jokes because that's just the way it is you know it's for so many of us but at the same time someone tweeted uh you know, I got a. I'm writing on a show right now because someone saw one of my tweets and they liked it. And fuck Jerry doesn't oh credit people. And it's like, well, I mean, then clearly he doesn't need to because you got the job anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like, and if if your voice, um, I don't know. I I, I, I there's two ways of looking now. at there, it. I mean, everybody rips everybody off. 
Um, oh, yeah. And that's this, a sign of a truly great artist is a, is a person that is able to do that in a, a really innovative way. To make you look at something with fresh eyes is, I think, is a really, um, really cool thing to do. Um, and who cares if you step on people's shoes? And you know, I don't, I don't see, I don't see where copyright falls into any of this. Like nothing, nobody owns anything. But everything is in the air. Everything is literally in the air these days. You know, you can oh, keep, you mean you like the read. Wi-Fi is is well, giving us is like transferring the information into our head and we don't even know it. Well, and that, and your ability to just literally reach out and grab ideas and post them and do things to them and alter, which is like a truly mutant age of information right now. And I think it's you know nobody can. I don't think there's any borders. I think it's kind of like the Wild West. So we're gonna see what happens. But you know, to even to even talk about you know fuck Jerry is really kind of like. To, to, to legitimize them for no real reason. Do you know what happened too? This guy Austin Jones with was ja a YouTuber. <laughs> you know what happened with Ja Rule? Austin Jones was a YouTuber. He, he covered, uh, he did this thing where he like would make all the music, he, he would do an acapella version of a song and then uh, layer it and layer it and layer <laughs> it. So he was doing like every, you know, vocally, every instrumentation part of it. And he did that with like Justin Bieber songs. He became very popular with tweens and teens because he had that <laughs> panic at the disco hair, you know. And he's the guy that killed XXX Temptation. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that shot <laughs> X Triple X Tentacion. That's how you pronounce it, I believe. Okay, yeah, go on. I, w I really want to get to this Takeshi yeah, 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 yeah. news. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about Takeshi Six Nine in a second. But um, speaking of yeah, but but. Uh, Austin Jones was just, uh, you know, brought in. Uh, he's been indicted for child pornography. Well, of course. Uh, he's a 24-year-old who oh, uh, what a nightmare. was a creep as a YouTuber. He had his uh, fans, uh, he, he tweeted out that he was doing a twerking contest for his fans who were all under 18. Totally Not legit. a good idea. And then he, I guess, would DM, as the kids call it, uh, with uh, fans and sort of encourage them to be more and more sexual, and uh, then he got arrested for that. So now he could face up to uh, fifteen years in jail. Well, I mean, if you're willing to say that on the record, I guess uh, let the chips fall as they may, you know. And I hope that they're uh, munchos. I don't see the victimless crime, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's no more victimless crime than uh, exploitation of a minor. I mean, I hope he has a good attorney. I hope he doesn't have the same attorney as um, Daniel Hernandez. Who's Daniel Hernandez? Well, Takeshi. Okay, so Takeshi six nine. For What's those... the deal? I heard you try to get an interview with him behind <laughs> bars. How did that work out for you? Didn't happen yet. But you know, there's this guy I know, uh, Brett Clarkson, who was a Toronto Star reporter, who we we cross paths quite a bit. Nice guy, and. Uh, he is now a reporter in Broward County. Oh, yeah. And he has been for a while. And he's been, like, ground level reporting on this, like, flourishing hip-hop scene in Broward County, which always Oh, what, is... that new meth scene that's going down? Those meth rappers? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like Kodak Black and... Uh, um, and Triple X Centacion and... Uh, 21 Savage, I think, is also from there. And uh, What about Moneybag, yo? I don't know Moneybag. Y'all heard about this new rapper. Did we talk about this guy, Little Pizza? <laughs> is that real? 
It's it's absolutely real. No, I don't think everybody, it's real. Everybody check that out. Little Pizza, the new album. Um, yeah, and Takeshi 69 was recently arrested on like 100 charges relating to after the fact, after he got famous. I wonder he kind how of, fit, fit he's feeling about that. Did he, did he fight with Takeshi? Guy, he signed him, didn't he? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, Takeshi 69 is like... He's, he's a clown, man. He's Straight a representative <laughs> of of when people get mad about rap nowadays. He's like the he's guy. He's the person they're talking yeah. about without knowing. Because he's Puerto Rican, so he's not black. He uses the N word all the time. Um, he, which I mean, you know, in in New York hip hop, that's like fairly normal for Dominican and Latino people, and also people like Be Real, you know, like in in Cypress Hill. But I think there's also some debate over that, obviously, and of course, do two. Jewish uh, Toronto boys have a right to talk about this? Of course they do. Damn right. I feel awkward saying Why damn not? right. Why not? I mean, but... his attorney's a yid. <laughs> I don't think he is, actually. <laughs> but... but you think it would be better if he were. Um, but holy cow, but no, but he... Um... So, Takeshi 69 if you don't see what he looks like, he is, like, literally... He copped to, like, 50 charges. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's crazy. But he looks like the um, Jared Leto um, Joker if he were, like, kind of a rapper. I think he's the one that was quoted as saying he didn't like Tupac. Was that him? And he's also yeah, been arrested for child exploitation, I think, I don't as well. See, you know, can you just imagine, imagine just being a fly on the wall. You're <laughs> the judge, and you're looking down at him. You know, you're looking down at him, you know, when his, with his legal team. And, I mean, what are you thinking? I mean... <laughs> how how can you not be biased looking at him? I mean, you know what? You're probably room. thinking, wow, I've already convicted famous? a lot of yeah. non-famous people who kind of look like this, you know? Because, like, that look that he has, it doesn't come out of nowhere. No, you know what I mean? That, I've already convicted you just based on me looking at you. I don't think Takeshi is from Broward County, though. I think he's New I York he's or from, something. Uh, Macon County. Macon County line? Yeah. Macon Bacon County Georgia. line. Georgia. Is he really from Georgia? I don't think so. No. But anyway, <laughs> they say he's snitching on his associates. Hey, man, stop, stop snitching, stop lying, you know? Or go yeah. back to that game mixtape every time. Stop whining! That's that's going out to you, Robertson. Stop whining! I, I see you. Stop whining! Remember that? Schwarzenegger. Get to the chopper. Did you ever hear the uh, Holy Outlaws uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger prank calls? I don't believe I have. It was like way before the like rise of the Schwarzenegger impression. And they were on Napster and Audio Galaxy, the kind of thing you would download and be like, what is this? And they were a person who had a soundboard of um, Schwarzenegger. Uh, now uh, that you mention it, yeah. and I think they did a similar thing with Pacino. There was one with him. Yeah. There were a couple of dudes. Yeah, but the, the Schwarzenegger ones are the best ones. Because he goes like, I'm going to take my fist. I'm, I'm going to ram, it down, ram it down your stomach. Over That's there. from Running Man, yeah, by the yeah. way. Is it? Um, look, let's get into the meat of things. <laughs> The fact of the matter is, do you consider yourself a man's man? Um, there's a lot of assumptions in that um, <laughs> you know, sentence you just said. I don't really know how to even begin to really... What is a man? What is a man's man? I suppose that's something James Gandolfini would have <laughs> the answer to. True romance. Yeah, he's incredible in he's true romance. Amazing. True romance is the first time... He that I saw him exhibit 
the physicality of uh, the Tony, the the menace. Tony but he's more Soprano. menacing than Tony Soprano in that movie. He really he's is. he's more like a a movie monster or something. You know, he's oh, like yeah. he's like Boris Karloff Frankenstein or something. You know, he's that scene with him and Patricia Arquette. I don't think I ever want to watch it again where yeah. they're fighting. But I mean, it's, it's really out there. It's wild. I think that that's such a weird. The weird um, thing about that scene is that he he's there when she comes into the hotel. And he asks her, he asks for the coke, and the coke is under the bed, and then he he gets the coke, and he goes, I can't believe I didn't look under the bed. And uh, I think then he knocks her out, she stabs him in the foot with the, with the corkscrew on the Swiss Army knife, and he's like, I'll give you one chance, I'll give you one, he, like, he already has what he wants, but then he tells her, okay, take your best shot, I'll, I'll give you one chance. Mm-hmm. And then she takes him out, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's she a goes, crazy... She goes ballistic. That movie, I had very mixed feelings about when I saw it. I love that movie. I watch it at least one, once a year. Really? The scene the scene with Dennis Hopper and... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much Walker. the kind of scene where, you also know... Also, Bronson Pinchot. And, yeah, you know, yeah. There's all these different actors in it. Like, Gary Oldman, obviously, I is like chewing the, the scenery. And, uh... Lee Donowitz. Love that. Lee Donowitz. Coming home in a body bag, too. You got Tom Sizemore and Chris Penn as the cops. Amazing. I love Chris Penn. That was sad when he died. He was quite good in the uh, the movie The Funeral by Abel Ferrara. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, Abel Ferrara has a few huge hits to me, and it's like that movie, King of New York, are the ones for me. I mean, Bad Lieutenant I'll watch any day, but it's not a pleasant film, you know. And it's not even really a good movie. <laughs> Do we really need to go beyond Miss 45? I've actually never seen that one. Ooh. But anyway. Interesting. So do you consider yourselves a bit of a boy's man? I don't know. So, not a, I wouldn't say a boy's man, but a man's man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that means. I recently got out of the library a copy of Frank Vincent, who played Phil Leotardo in The Sopranos during the sort of escalating end game of The Sopranos. And of course, he played Billy Bats in Goodfellas, where he uttered the famous phrase, if I really wanted to bust your balls, I'd tell you to go home and get your shine box. And this all led, of course, to Tommy not being made. Right. If you've seen Goodfellas. So I got a book by Frank Vincent out of the library after I watched an interview with him and he mentioned it. You know, the funny thing is, if you think he wrote that book, then you're even well, higher than him. Frank Vincent and Stephen Pregay. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> It's called I A Guy's it's, Guide to Being a Man's Man. It's more like Stephen Pregame. I'm, <laughs> I'm Stephen Pregame. Pregame. And uh, the, uh, the thing that, that uh, he does apparently throughout the book is always reference the shine box thing. Which is too bad because Frank Vincent is such a fascinating actor. He's a great actor. Uh, and he, had, he was a musician in a band with Joe Pesci in the, in the 60s. And of course he was also a very big... Um, he had a very large role in the movie um, Raging Bull, I believe, too. Anyway, so this is what the back of this book says. A Guy's Guide to Being a Man's Man. Oh, Godfather, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Slap! You can act like a man! <laughs> the great Don Corleone said it. And truer words were never spoken. Don Corleone, I should say, said it. And truer words were never spoken. But these... (laughs) You can act like a man. But these days, it's harder than ever to know how to act like a real man. We're not talking about the touchy-feeling, 
feelies share your feelings version of manhood that talk shows yap about. What talk shows? You know, this guy is personally responsible for setting back humanity by like 200 years. <laughs> We're talking about the tough, smart, confident, charming, classy, all-around good fella that upholds the true ideal of what is known as a man's man. Now, renowned actor and true-life man's man, Frank Vincent, famed for his unforgettable tough guy roles in Raging Bull, Goodfellas, and The Sopranos, is going to show any man can be all that he can be in love, work, play, and life. Everything you need to know is covered here, from getting the best woman by being the best man and dressing like a winner <laughs> to cooking and eating like a man and savoring a great cigar. If you want to learn how to be a man's man, you got to learn from a man's man. Oh, wow, and this was the... vetted. <laughs> Vincent is a believable authority on manliness. The New, the York, New York Times. Times. Okay. Yeah. And if you read the front things... The approbations. Frank Vincent is a stand-up guy. Now sit down and read. James Gandolfini. Disgustingly, I used to be a skinny nobody who'd walk up and down the beach getting beat <laughs> Read, uh, sorry, disgustingly charismatic, horrifyingly macho. Read it as soon as possible, Rosie Perez. Here's a really good one. Frank Vincent takes you on an original and hysterical journey into the world of being a man's man. Edie Falco. <laughs> so, um, yeah. we were just going to read some excerpts and re respond to that. Um, Here's a picture of Frank Vincent with a couple, a few ladies in uh, bikinis, and it says, "Promoting my cigar, public enemy in South Beach." <laughs> so, oh, um, why don't we start at the beginning? I'll read it, the beginning, and, and you can, um, you can respond to this. I think you should only read three lines. That way we can move real quick through this guy's okay. philosophoids. Let's okay. That, you're pretty smart. This is from the chapter <laughs> "Getting the Digits." Let's face it. Let's face it. Okay, so I just want to point out this book is from 2006. So it was 12 years ago. The internet was in full swing. Uh, YouTube hadn't quite started, I don't think. Maybe it had. No, there was YouTube in 06. Really? Really? I think MySpace was still going strong. Uh, but anyway, so getting the digits. Let's face it. The Palm Pilot and cell phone have replaced the cocktail napkin and pen. Mm. But whatever method you're using, the bottom line is getting the girl's phone number. And one more sentence, because that'll make three. There are many places a man's man can meet women and score some digits. So, what do you think? Um, you know, he's... He, is he right? He's not right. <laughs> How important is getting the girl's phone number, would you say, to happiness? <laughs> I mean... What's what's the context? I mean, you know, like you meet someone, you hit it off, you want to take it a little further, you want to see them again. Do you need that phone number, or will an email address suffice? I think just keep the mystery alive. You know, if you're meant to speak to that person, maybe they'll hit you up on that Twitter box. Oh, they'll or, find you on your Twitter. Maybe they'll find my Twitter feed. <laughs> you know. I'm am all about less effort, you know. Keep them wanting more, and um, Dude, with less effort, <laughs> you know, with less effort, you know. See what what is it that Deepak says? You know, single pointed intentionality, without the um, we without the expectation of, you know, what it is that you're after. Like, don't hold on, don't hold on so much. You know, just just be. let it go. Let things happen. You know, who knows? You might 
you know, you might get lucky. Okay, give me some another ex- excerpt, and we'll we'll see where that's at. All right, man's man interview with James Caan. You remember the first time you went to Las Vegas? James Caan. <laughs> I was in my early to mid-twenties. I started riding horses, and one of my friends was one of the owners of Caesars. This was way before Caesars went corporate, so I went out there to ride horses and act like a cowboy from New York. I was a brash little wise guy kid and had all my New York stuff in me. I spent most of my time in those days at Caesars in the Sands. I became friendly with a lot of the guys out there. I mean, that's interesting, you know. It's a, it's a, man, it's a man's man book, and, you know, of course you want to talk to James Kahn. You gotta talk to Kahn. Killer Elite. Godfather. Gardens of Stone. Misery. I think I, I... Should I watch Gardens of Stone? I almost watched it last night. Um, you don't know. I Gardens of Stone? That's the Francis Ford Coppola movie. Oh, wow. I don't think I ever saw Gardens of Stone. I might have to check it out. I'm not a big fan of the early Coppola. It's not early, I think. Is it early? Is it like 92? I think it's zoetrope period, like the post-Godfather. I don't know that era. Grasping at straws. Coppola. Uh, what, uh, yeah, I really liked him in Apocalypse, wow. <laughs> Tell me about Apocalypse, wow. Is that the acid? <laughs> do you ever, do you ever see the Ben Stiller show? He had that spoof on Apocalypse Now, it was like, um, I think, what was it? It was a, it was a musical called Viet Wow, <laughs> and, uh, I think the, the first production number was called, um, Viet Wow, and he's, he's going, Viet High, Viet Low, <laughs> Viet Stop, Viet Go. <laughs> well, okay. James Caan, do you think that he even asked him that question just because, like, he was in that movie, that TV show Vegas at the time? <laughs> Remember, Have you he was ever on that watched show? an episode of Vegas? No. What's it like? I haven't seen a minute of it. I think I saw a minute of it once, and um, I mean, James Caan was... is notoriously one of the worst like human beings to be on set with. I think that's what they say, right? Like, he's just, or at least on the, uh, I think Wes Anderson said that on the on the, that on the set of Bottle Rocket, he was a jerk. But it's like, think of how fun it would be oh, to bully. Oh, that was a long time But ago. think of how fun it would be to bully Wes Anderson. Think how much fun it would be to be on the set with James Caan now. <laughs> he was in the Frank you know D'Angelo that, movies. Do you know that Kirk Douglas is yeah. still alive? Yeah, he's 102. It's crazy. It's crazy. After that stroke, like, 20 years I ago I just now. watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, like, which is from, like, 1956. Yeah, I, I, well, he's also Paths of Glory is around that same year. and uh, Unbelievable. And Kubrick's long dead. Yeah, Kirk is killing it. Which means... It's crazy. You know, Mike Douglas is probably like, oh I'm so fucking lucky. <laughs> I'm the luckiest Jewish guy with the last name Douglas you've ever seen. <laughs> I'm just your horny little devil. <laughs> Forget it, Dad. I think he got, the, Douglas. He got the help that he needed. Um, okay, this chapter is called Salute. <laughs> I think man's man inventor, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, <laughs> which is like, did he invent the concept of being a man's man or he is a man's man and an inventor? I think man's man inventor, Benjamin Franklin, said it best there can't be good living where there is not good drinking a man's man is particular about what he drinks and the kind of glass he drinks it in true or false um what do you mean do you agree what does he mean um what does he mean by glass well you gotta have your whiskey in a tumbler you gotta have your wine, red wine in a specific glass, white wine in a specific glass, 
champagne. I know, it sounds flute. like he's really talking about a prima donna. So you a man's know, like man a sort is of kind in, of like an entitled a prima donna. Diva. Yeah, a little bit of a diva. I mean, right. a real man, you know, will drink out of a shoe. <laughs> you only do that if you're Cinderella, right? Or, you know, Doc Holliday or something. What did Doc Holliday drink out I of? I think he uh, drank out of uh, a wooden leg. What's your take on Young Guns? <laughs> I heard he loved Young Guns. <laughs> it's one of his favorite westerns. Um, young Guns? I like Young Guns, too. <laughs> I like that Bon Jovi song a lot. I thought it was real cool. Do you want to read one to me now? Oh, that was a very sweet request. <laughs> All right. Hmm. A sign of a man's man is someone who keeps going no matter what the circumstances are. Did you ever have moments in your career when you had doubt and things didn't go as planned? Yeah, no, what's the context here? Who's he? <laughs> who's he? Oh, he's asking this of... Excuse me, Stephen Van Zant, who I think we all know is um, he played Sil, little Stevie Silvio the Consigliere on The Sopranos, and as well, he is basically second in command of the E Street Band. Unless Max Weinberg is the true guy behind the guy. So SVZ <laughs> says, um, every single day. Right now, I'm engaged in a revolution of trying to bring <laughs> rock and roll back to Jersey. It's a fight every day. I woke up five years ago and realized that there wasn't any new rock and roll being played on the radio at all. The 50s was being eliminated from the oldies station, and the 60s music was being eliminated from the classic rock stations. So nobody was hearing uh, Lola I by the Kinks? I th- suppose he thinks his version of like what rock and roll music is kind of man's man music right it's like the best rock and roll music has always been made by gay men and women (laughs) right yeah (laughs) freddie mercury i don't think the other guys were klaus nomi klaus nomi um bowie (laughs) okay jagger (laughs) jagger okay um joe elliott who's that lead singer of def leppard gay no oh maybe Glenn Hughes. Who's that? <laughs> Glenn Branca. <laughs> um, Salvador Dali. Oh, uh, Jim Carroll. <laughs> Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Okay, look. I'll read you another section. <laughs> Are you a Springsteen fan? Yeah, sure. I like Springsteen. I love the album uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Nebraska. My Way. I never heard My Way. I like uh, the song Because the Night. And I also like that song he wrote for, uh, you know, wrapped up like a douche. He wrote that one. No, the Blinded by the Light. Oh, yeah? He wrote, he wrote that? Yeah. Revved up like a deuce? He revved up like a deuce. Interesting. Bottom line, fellas, you can talk like a man's man and walk like a man's man, but without the right look, you're not the complete package. Take some notes on the things you wouldn't catch a man, a man's man dead wearing. Anything from a buy one, get one free rack. Do you want me to just go through this list because it's fun? Anything made out of 100%... Okay, I'm just going to ask... I'm going to give you this list and tell me if you have anything from this list. Anything from a buy one, get one free rack? Uh, no. Socks? Well, that doesn't count. (laughs) Uh, Socks are sold in like twos and threes. What about shoes Like if it's like 30% off the second... I think that's fine. Oh, like when they try to... 
buy one pair of shoes, get the second for 25% off. Yeah, but it's always like the more expensive one, you know. Is yeah, the, I don't, no, I don't go it. that way, really. I never need more than one pair of shoes at a time. Anything made out of 100% polyester. I used to wear that kind of stuff when I, I was younger. Any, I don't have any polyester, I don't think. Any item that's been in your closet for more than two years. Oh, is that a faux pas? You're not supposed to have anything? I mean, that seems arbitrary. I don't know. I think a lot of people have things that are more than two years old in their closet. Are they talking about food? <laughs> Any t-shirts with juvenile sayings like, my girlfriend's out of town. Oh, I have half Quite a shirts few. are that. Yeah, I have a lot of shirts that say that. Here's an interesting one. Anything ruffled. Ruffles chips? <laughs> Anything your great aunt gave you for Christmas? What is a great aunt? Your mother's aunt, or your father's aunt. So oh. did your mom? They never gave me anything. I got. I don't think Auntie Molly. She wouldn't give me clothes. She would give me like Jewish gummy candies that were really weird. Uh huh. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Old lady gummy candies. They tasted like Turkish delight, kind of, but like. They were gummy. It was quite a nightmare. Tasted wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, a piano tie. <laughs> no, like, I had an Elvis tie once. Oh, here's an interesting one. A Speedo. Never, ever, ever. I probably worn a Speedo. I I you know what? I was in the uh, ShamWow Guys commercial. Uh, Vince Offer's commercial for Sticky. Another Israeli reference. He's Israeli, originally. And um, he uh, put me in a Speedo eating a hot dog. Weird. Yeah, so that happened to me. I'd like to see that picture. Yeah, and if you look my band up on Brutal Nights, I mean, I'm wearing close to a Speedo in several live performances. But I don't think performing live, I think that your outfit is your outfit if you do a live performance. That's not the same as not being a man. I'm a f man's man. Um, okay, so Are we done here? you can read another one. Okay, these are... These are five songs that a man's man never listens to while driving. Number one, Easy Lover, Phil Collins. <laughs> Number two, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. What? Number three, Freaking You by Jodeci. <laughs> and number four, I Can See for Miles by The Who. What? Rounding out number five, Highway to Hell, ACDC. Are these bad five luck? songs a man's man never listens to while driving? Because <laughs> you don't want to be on the highway to hell. You should probably read the the top ten man's drinking songs. I mean, well, first of all, it's like, I can see for miles <laughs> or highway to hell could easily come on the radio when you're driving. If you're listening to rock radio. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's I only very listen strange. to NPR and BBC World Space. Well, there you go. You're not hearing it there. Those are not going to come on. No. Those are, those are on the don't playlist. Okay, these are the songs that... These are really good drinking songs. Check that out. Let's, let's get a countdown on that. Music to drink by. One for my baby. Okay, I'm just going to read the intro a little bit. When alcohol, beautiful women, and men's men combine, someone is likely to be waving a glass in one hand and a bra in the other. Wow, that's a strange image. Seriously, a man's man... Seriously. A man's man is as particular about music as he is about what he drinks. A man's man like his, likes his drink served with a chaser of good music. The, I'm with him there. These songs should be in the jukebox of your local watering hole. One for My Baby by Frank Sinatra. Great song if it's quarter to three and there's no one in the place except you and me. 
Scenes from an Italian restaurant by Billy Joel. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Don't read the explanation, just read the title. Yeah. Here's uh, One Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer by George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Is there any more Jodeci there? No. Oh, and then I Drink Alone also by George Thorogood <laughs> and the Destroyers. Oh, no. <laughs> Basically, he's like, yeah, we're getting kickbacks from George Thorogood and the Destroyers. We're actually getting kickbacks from the Destroyers. They're trying to bring back it without George telling Drew. George, and then George is going to be so pleasantly surprised at our resurgence. <sighs> Naked Women and Beer by Hank Williams Jr. Because who needs Hank Williams when you've got Bocephus? And then, <laughs> I'm with him on this one. I like the literalness of these choices as well. Red Red Wine by UB40. Oh my gosh. Whiskey River by Willie Nelson. Free Fallen by the late Tom Petty. No idea why that's there. Tequila Sunrise by the Eagles. These are so arbitrary. This... You know what? Let's keep in mind that I, that the name of his band was the Aristocats. <laughs> was that the name of, of Frank sure, Vincent's yeah. band? Wow. With Joe Becci? Yeah. <laughs> and then imagine putting this on the jukebox. I don't even know if this song is available for jukebox. 99 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> it sounds like Frank Vincent literally got an email... From the guy who's like, can you pick five drinking songs? And he's like, I don't know. I'm going to get my brother to do it. <laughs> and his like, you know what? Uh, let's go with um, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Uh, what's that? What else? This note's for you by Neil Young. <laughs> you want to do another? Let's do like two more. Let's do more. one more. Yeah, one more. And then we'll, and then we'll, we'll wrap jump things out of the up. Window. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's really try to find something maybe a little bit, a little bit more refined here. I wonder where in the book he really hits his stride. I think when he talks, starts talking about Jodeci. <laughs> I first met Jodeci at my daughter's prom. I mean, this stuff is so um, basic. It's so basic. I mean, I mean, this is great. So these are his man music legends. These are the people that Frank Vincent considers men. I just want to. So, by, by, by the way, I, I just want. I just want to butt in for a second here. <laughs> Frank Vincent is dead. Oh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I I, mean, I, I love Frank Vincent. I think he's awesome. I think he's a great actor, and I think he's one of the most memorable actors of my of our 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 time, like the last thirty years or, or whatever. Um, I and he shouldn't have made this book. <laughs> so go on. Okay. So this, yeah. So okay. I mean, but so you got to make a dollar. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Ray Charles, Tony Bennett, Miles Davis, what? Elvis, just... <laughs> Louis, Louis Armstrong, James Brown, Bono, Bruce Springsteen, Steven Tyler, Gene Krupa, Stevie Wonder, Jerry Lee Lewis. These were all man's man musicians. Now, of course, he does include a honorable mention. R. Kelly. Uh, little box here that includes Phil R. Kelly. Phil Spector. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Glitter. Billy Joel. Even, even the Mozart. Norman Greenbaum? Well, Joe Perry, obviously. <laughs> Bobby Darren, Frankie Valley, Stephen Van Zandt, Johnny Cash. Honorable mention. And this is the greatest. Most memorable man's man song, Great Balls of Fire. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You shake my nerves. <laughs> you rattle my brain. 
talking about his 13-year-old cousin. Problematic uh, choices name? by uh, Frank Vincent all across the board. And Jerry Lee Lewis. But also it, still alive. Still alive, yeah. The killer. Um, Frank Vincent looks like the Shah of Iran. That's what they said in The Sopranos. We salute you with a tumbler of whiskey. Totally. And a big fat cigar. Certainly not symbolic in any way of a phallus. And uh, we loved your hair up until the very end. And you seemed... I've seen interviews with you. Honestly, you seemed like a cool guy. I don't know why I'm addressing you like you're listening to this, considering you wouldn't listen to this even if you were still alive. But... um, Go, everyone, go get your shine box and uh, order go. this from the library. Do not buy it and polish <laughs> the copy and pay it forward. Hey, Al, you got anything you want to add? Hey, be careful out there. Hey, I'm going to play a Sacred Lamp <laughs> song. Uh, what, which one? Which one? Do you, I'm going to play a Sacred Lamp song. What do you want me to play? Um, you should play uh, Yak Tea. Yak Tea. Yak Tea. I think that's the last song on the record. Peep that. Here it is. Yakti by Peace. Sacred Lamp, AL, and Doc Dunn. Thank you for doing the podcast again. Hey, man. Great to see you. Thanks yeah. for having me. See you on February 10th, guys. Come on out. 3 p.m. The Transact.
That was Yak T by um, Sacred Lamp, which is Matthew Doc Dunn and Yale Sr., who I just had on the podcast. And you can hear it at sacredlamp.bandcamp.com, where you can pick up their awesome new album. And that's been today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I know I have enjoyed listening to it. It was a rollicking freeform convo and... AL and I will be performing this Sunday if you hear this in a timely fashion on February, I believe it's the uh, 3rd that we are performing on at 3 p.m. at the Transac in the front room. Always really fun shows. And if you're listening to this in a very timely fashion, like within the next few hours, I'll be performing with Kurt Newman who uh, I've had on the show before at the Transac as well, tonight at 10 p.m. on February... Wait. I meant the 10th. February 10th is when I'm performing with AL. And today is February 6th, and that's when I'm playing with Kurt. Look, I don't know what I'm doing, so wish me luck. Oh, man. Nick. Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly Four times a week for you